Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Yo, it's Keith Smith, Atlanta Falcons fullback, and you're listening to Pro Football Chase Podcast. This is Jamon Bushrod, Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion. You're listening to the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, it's Jimmy Ward. You're listening to the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scanling. It's the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hello, this is center Nick Martin for the Houston Texans, and you're listening to Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, it's Willie Gay Jr., Chiefs linebacker, and you're listening to Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Keith Kirkwood, wide receiver, number 19 for the Carolina Panthers, and you're uh, listening to the podcast of Pro Football Chase. Hey, everyone. It's Chris Wormley here, Steelers defensive lineman, uh, and you guys are listening to the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, what's up? It's Browns linebacker, Jacob Phillips, and we're live on the Chase Podcast. All right, what's going on, y'all? This is Channel 7, number 39 for the Green Bay Packers, and you're tuning in to Pro Football Chase. Let's go. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you, and I thank you for joining me on this Wednesday. And I'm really looking forward to NFL opening night, the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. They will be hosting the Houston Texans on Thursday, September 10th. It's going to be great football. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Brett Veach. We know Brett Veach and Andy Reid just signed those extensions. So Kansas City had quite the offseason locking up Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes and uh, drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the talented back out of LSU. They're going to take on Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. But first, since this is episode one of the 2020 NFL season here on the Pro Football Chase podcast, I will be going by each division and talking briefly about each team and giving my predictions as to who will come out on top. So let's go ahead and get into it right now, the AFC South. I want to first talk about the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans, we know they had that magical run last season. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry pulled the upset against the top-seeded Baltimore Ravens, and that was quite the impressive performance. And you know what? All that reflects 
Mike Vrabel and his ability to inspire his team. And you can really see it. When this team takes the field, they really are playing for Mike Vrabel. He has his fingerprints all over this squad. And you know what? I'm going to go out and be bold. I'm going to pick the Titans to win the AFC South. I know a lot of people are gravitating towards the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts with the addition of Phillip Rivers. But I really do think that Tennessee can repeat and even improve upon last season. So I'm going to say they finish with an 11-5 record. I know that Ryan Tannehill can sometimes be average and not really what you were looking for in a potent offensive attack but I'll tell you one thing he has really benefited from Arthur Smith the offensive coordinator in Tennessee you know they're gonna have the bell cow back in the fold Derrick Henry as they signed him to that extension and I really love how physical this Tennessee team is in the trenches on the offensive line you look at their starting five Taylor Lewin Roger Saffold Ben Jones Nate Davis and Dennis Kelly anchoring that right side and you look at the defensive line you have Jeffrey Simmons who's a growing player that continues to dominate we know he missed part of the season last year because he was recovering from that torn ACL but look for him to step in I know they traded Jarrell Casey to Denver but he will step in and be a force and then you look at their edge rushers Harold Landry they signed Vic Beasley which is intriguing to me I'm looking forward to seeing how he does and of course their defense Kevin Bayard holding it down at safety as well as Adoree Jackson so I look forward to this team Taking that AFC South title, I really do think that they have what it takes. And second in that division, I believe it'll be the Houston Texans with a 10-6 record. I know they've won two consecutive AFC South titles, and I understand that Deshaun Watson is a special talent, but I just do not buy in to this defense, and I want to see how their passing attack is going to unfold. They made that big trade sending DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals, taking on the contract of David Johnson, who has not been able to stay healthy. He fell out of favor there in Arizona once they acquired Kenyon Drake, and so I do believe that David Johnson will put together a strong season, but I just don't know. You cannot count on Will Fuller staying healthy for an entire season, although he is a big deep threat. Brandon Cooks is as well, but he is injury prone as well. So if those guys cannot stay healthy on the outside, I'm not sure how Deshaun Watson is going to be able to continue putting out an efficient passing attack. Kenny Stills now, he is durable and he can be a threat. So I do think he can play a factor in Houston's passing attack. I know on the defensive side, J.J. Watt's there. He continues to age, though, and injuries continue to bang him up every year. Now, he is an impact player. Bernardrick McKinney, they just tied down Zach Cunningham, and their secondary is still very young and raw. You look at Justin Reed, who, by the way, I expect to have an all-pro season this year. Lonnie Johnson in the secondary. They cut ties with Jonathan Joseph, who, by the way, is in the division signing with the Titans earlier in free agency. So 10-6 and six for the Texans. Indianapolis Colts I have at third with a 9-7 and seven record. Now I know Indianapolis has a team that is full of young talent. And I got to give credit to Ballard for going out there and really solidifying every single position group on this team. And I know they're the favorite to some people because of Phillip Rivers. And now they say, well, they got a quarterback that can 
carry their offense and can connect with T.Y. Hilton. And then you look at those stable of running backs, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, T.Y. Hilton. And how about Michael Pittman Jr., the rookie, who, by the way, was on the Pro Football Chase podcast before the NFL draft. Big fan of his. So there is plenty of potential for this Colts team. They acquired DeForest Buckner for that defensive line group. Justin Houston is still there. Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker. So the list goes on and on, but I just cannot buy too much into Rivers because his inability to be consistent. He made some wild throws in crunch time for the Chargers last season. I think that's going to come back to bite the Colts in the rear end as the season unfolds. And last in the division, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have them coming in with the 4-12 and record. We know Jacksonville, they are in full tank mode. They just cut Leonard Fournette. They already traded Yannick Ngakwe. They have parted with so many Pro bowlers, we know Jalen Ramsey was out the door last season, Calais Campbell to the Baltimore Ravens, and it's clear that they want to secure the top pick and go for Trevor Lawrence, and they're going to ride Gardner Minshew this year. I think we all know what their objective is, so I look for Jacksonville to finish last in the AFC South. Now to the AFC East, where New England has won every division title this decade in 17 of the 20 this century. That is unbelievable, but yet it is a true fact. Now, will this be the year that the field topples the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick with a monumental move of Brady to the Bay And I think it is. Give me the Buffalo Bills, number one, finishing as the AFC East champs, 11-5 record. I will continue to buy into this Bills team with Sean McDermott. I was high on them last season. I had them in the playoffs when not a lot of people bought into them. Now, I will say I need to see more from Josh Allen to be convinced that they are Super Bowl contenders because if he can take that step forward and he can really sew up his down-the-field accuracy because we know he has the arm to throw it 60, 70 yards, and now Stephon Diggs is in Buffalo, so that's only going to give him another target to go along with John Brown and Cole Beasley. And then you look at that secondary in Buffalo that's still one of the best in the league, led by Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. And how about Josh Norman, who they signed in free agency, who is familiar with Sean McDermott when He played in Carolina. McDermott was the defensive coordinator on Ron Rivera's staff. So I do think this Bills team, despite start low to lately opting out, they still got Ed Oliver. They still have plenty of talent. Jerry Hughes, I look for them to finish atop this division. So the Bills Mafia will be fired up about that. Some other team rather than the New England Patriots will win this division. It will happen. Mark my words now. Second, here's where it gets a little bit complicated for me because I do want to say the Jets, but I'm actually going to go the surprise route and give it to the Miami Dolphins with a 9-7 and record. Now, let me tell you my reasoning. I think the Dolphins will finish two games above 500. This team has bought into Brian Flores' vision, and it is evident from the jump of this training camp. This team looks energized. They look poised. The team battled last season, and they made a bevy of free agent moves to make this team a contender in this division for years to come. They addressed their offensive line. They drafted Austin Jackson. They signed Eric Flowers in free agency. 
agency who had a revitalization of his own in Washington. They went ahead and signed Byron Jones to pair with Xavier Howard. They signed Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson to put on that defensive line. And then, of course, they used their other first-round pick on Noah Igno-Bokeheni who's from Auburn. I'm not sure if I pronunciate that right. I think I butchered it, but it's okay. You get the point. And I look at their offense. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to be their week one starter. When will Tua take over? Time will tell. Brian Flores told reporters the other day that Tua's pre-existing hip injury, which he suffered last November at Alabama, will play a factor into who he rolls with as the season progresses. That makes me believe that unless a catastrophic issue comes up with Fitzpatrick I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick will remain the starter for a majority of the season why rush Tua when he is not ready let him learn from Fitzpatrick and I think that's that's still going to be a positive formula for Miami because Fitzpatrick interesting enough he can flat out let it air now of course he will throw some turnovers but I look for Devontae Parker and Preston Williams a sophomore receiver whose season was cut short last year with a torn ACL expect big things from him and then the new look backfield with Jordan Howard who they signed from Philadelphia who is a workhorse back when he is healthy and the speedster Matt Breida I absolutely love that addition for the Miami Dolphins I think they have enough even with Fitzpatrick, to finish second in this division. And who knows, maybe even flirt with a potential wildcard spot. I would not put it past Miami. I'm excited to see the trajectory of that squad. Now, number three is where I have the New York Jets finishing with an 8-8 eight and eight record. Now, this team, I understand Joe Douglas took over as GM. They ended up trading Jamal Adams. They ended that dispute. And I do expect a huge year from Le'Veon Bell. I think he looks refreshed. He's excited. Sam Darnold. Now, that's another question mark. What Sam Darnold are we going to see this year? He's had his ups and downs. He's had games where he looks like the caliber of the top pick. And then he's also had games where he looks like he still needs development. Now, they hired Adam Gase because they want Darnold to be that guy, blossom into that potential all-pro quarterback that they believe he is. But I am still not sold on Sam Darnold. I need to see more. I know the Jets put a lot of reinforcements into that offensive line going with George Fant. Now their receiving corps is what worries me because they're banged up there at the moment. They drafted Denzel Mims from Baylor who has a bright future. Jamison Crowder still there as a slot receiver. They signed Brashad Perryman who he actually proved that he could be a deep threat when he played for the Buccaneers late last season. But I'm just not sure that that group can really provide a dynamic receiving core for Sam Darnold to utilize. They lost Robbie Anderson to free agency. Now, there's one player that I think can really help this offense take a, a step forward. Beside Le'Veon Bell, it's got to be their tight end, Chris Herndon, the talented tight end who came out of Miami. He's been dealing with injuries every season, but if he is healthy, he's got the athleticism to stretch the field. And on the defensive side, we're going to see how that looks. Bradley McDougald now taking over that safety position that Jamal Adams once had. Their secondary, they went out and signed Pierre Desir, who was cut by the Colts. You got Marcus May back there. Arthur Malletman, and Brian Poole, who's a phenomenal corner. So we'll see what the Jets, just with Adam Gase at the helm, I do not believe they're going to finish 
anything higher than eight and eight. So they're third in the division now. Fourth, I have the Patriots going from first all the way to fourth with a seven and nine record. And part of me believes Bill Belichick kind of wants to tank just so he can put himself in position for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Or who knows, maybe he's going to target that quarterback from North Dakota State, Trey Lance. You just never know what Bill Belichick is thinking. But I give them a 7-9 record because... They lost some big impact playmakers due to the COVID opt-out. Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung was gone. Marcus Cannon, their starting right tackle. Now, I do know they have a lot of young players, and I'm sure that Bill Belichick and company are going to get them playing up to a high level in 2020, such as Chase Winovich, Kyle DeGar, Anthony Jennings. They're going to look in to fill those voids, and I wouldn't put it past them to do a pretty good job. And, of course, the main storyline in New England is Cam Newton, and can he bounce back and showcase the Cam Newton MVP-style quarterback under Josh McDaniels? That has been what everybody in Boston has been talking about. We know Jarrett Stidham's there, but it looks like Cam Newton, barring an unexpected announcement he will be the starting quarterback week one. And I am a, a Cam Newton supporter. I want to see him do well. I just don't think that this Patriot squad has enough this time around to overcome the Buffalo Bills, who will be the AFC East champs when all is said and done. Now to the AFC West, where the defending Super Bowl champs preside. The Kansas City Chiefs, I'm giving them a 13-3 and record. I think they're going to be just as good, maybe even better than last year. I mean... As I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, they hit their offseason agenda out of the park, signing Mahomes to a long-term deal, signing Chris Jones to the extension, giving Brett Veach and head coach Andy Reid six-year extensions, drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, another dynamic weapon. I think the, the worst thing that happened to him was a couple of suspensions, of course, Bashad Breeland, and then their defensive tackle, Mike Pinnell, who are going to miss the first couple games of the season. But Damian Williams, who I think should have been the Super Bowl MVP, he opted out. But they're not sweating it because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is there to replace him. And, of course, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif opted out as well. They're starting guard. They also signed Kelsey to an extension. They got Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman. So much speed. And I got to tell you what, their second-round pick, linebacker Willie Gay out of Mississippi State, that guy's been turning heads. I had him on the Pro Football Chase podcast a couple of weeks ago he's excited to be playing with Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson and their defensive line they're getting Breland Speaks back who was a top round pick a couple of years ago he was out last year due to an injury and he is looking the part as is Tano Kaponen the other edge rusher that Kansas City has and Steve Spagnolo is going to continue to dial up different looks led by Tyron Matthew in the secondary this Kansas City team is the real deal and I do think they are going to repeat as AFC West champions without a doubt now second I'm going to give it to the Denver Broncos. There's plenty of buzz around Drew Locke and the Broncos after they changed up their offense to Pat Shermer's and brought in a slew of extra playmakers led by Melvin Gordon in the backfield and rookie receivers Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. I do think they're going to make a world of difference. Of course, let's not forget Noah Fant, the tight end. But Locke and the rest, 
it's going to take some uh, some adjustment time for him to fully get that offense down from Pat Shermer because no preseason. It's a lot different this year. Vic Vangio's defense, they are stacked with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, of course, coming off the edge. They're going to have every reason to be one of the top defenses yet again. Todd Davis, who was banged up with an injury, he should be okay. Justin Simmons anchoring that secondary. I like Denver to finish second. I think they have plenty of impact playmakers to get them in the playoffs as in wildcard. And it's a big year for Drew Locke. He has all the weapons around him. Philip Lindsay also still there. Don't forget about him because some people forget since Melvin Gordon was signed. But they got a dynamic one-two punch. No excuses for Drew Locke not to come out and perform at a high level. Now, number three, the Los Angeles Chargers. I have them finishing with a 9-7 and seven record. The Chargers are, are bound to rebound with how much talent they have on defense and Tyrod Taylor restoring some stability to the offense after Phillip Rivers was shaky during his final season with the team. And I do think that Justin Herbert, yes, we know he's waiting in the wings, but Taylor has always been a consistent signal caller. I think he can help their big playmakers like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry exceed by just putting them in positions to make plays after the catch he doesn't necessarily have to be a superhero out there as long as he can operate the offense at a good level which I think head coach Anthony Lynn has been pretty pleased with the way Tyrod Taylor has been running the show in practice and of course time will tell but I think Taylor will do okay Justin Herbert I look for him to stay sidelined for at least a majority of the season at least that's the plan according to Anthony Lynn now on defense, a gut-wrenching loss with Derwin James, torn right meniscus. In fact, today he underwent successful surgery. He will make a full recovery for the 2021 season, but that is such a big-time loss, and I feel for the guy. He's dealt with his fair share of injuries, and he's one of the best safeties, if not the best, when he's fully healthy, and now he has to sit out the year. That's another big loss to this Chargers defense before the season even begins. But on the bright side, you look at that depth chart, they still got Joey Bosa, who they signed to that lucrative long-term extension. Melvin Ingram, Casey Hayward, they signed Chris Harris Jr., Kenneth Murray, who they drafted from OU, and Limbel Joseph. Let's not be wrong about this. This Chargers team is still very stacked all around the ball. Of course, James' absence is going to have ripple effects. I do think they'll finish third with a 9-7 record, and they may just miss a wild card spot. We'll see. And last in the division, I have the Las Vegas Raiders with an 8-8 eight eight record. You know, I understand the Raiders want to live it up in Las Vegas. They got the brand new stadium, but I just think they're still a little ways away from actually getting a top two spot in that division. Derek Carr, this is a humongous season for him because he has an awful lot of doubters who do not believe he should be the starting quarterback for the Raiders, and he to himself understands that he has a chip on his shoulder. So I'm eager to see what he can do this year in John Gruden's offense. Their defense will be much better covering ground as they sign Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski, who are going to be pivotal for what they want to do on the defensive side of the ball. I do like their dynamic young weapons and Henry Ruggs III and Brian Edwards as well. Lynn Bowden, keep an eye for that guy. He could play some Wildcat quarterback. And let's not forget that the Raiders do have Marcus Mariota, 
who they sign in free agency, who they have him as the backup to Derek Carr. Now, of course, there's been no quarterback battle in training camp. It's been all Derek Carr, so we don't have to worry about a quarterback controversy unless Carr should suffer an injury, which you never know that'll happen. Of course, you never want to wish injury on anybody, so let's hope that does not happen. But they did lose another big-time offensive weapon for the season as they put Tyrell Williams on injured reserve with a torn labrum. Williams is going to try to play with it, but after further medical consultation, he realized that it's in his best interest to undergo season-ending surgery. So the Raiders at 8-8, eight and eight, and I do have the Chiefs taking it once again, the AFC West. Now to the AFC North where things get very interesting. Grab your popcorn, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be good. I'll tell you why. I do have the Baltimore Ravens finishing first with a 12-4 record. I know that the Ravens, they lost only one vital player in the offseason, which was Marshall Yanda, the one-day eventual Hall of Fame guard. He decided to hang up their cleats and retire. They reinforced their rushing attack with J.K. Dobbins and got more explosive options for their passing game, which is a good extra support for reigning MVP dual-threat quarterback Lamar Jackson. Mark Ingram is still there. Hollywood Brown is now fully healthy. They did trade Hayden Hurst, but they still have Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. On defense, we know that they made headlines cutting all-pro safety Earl Thomas after he got in a dust-up with fellow starting safety Chuck Clark. And there's all kinds of write-ups on why that happened. Bottom line, he wasn't a fit in that Baltimore locker room, so they cut ties with him. Now Deshaun Elliott's going to have an opportunity. How about Nigel Warrior, that undrafted free agent out of Tennessee? He has been turning heads at training camp, so I don't think Baltimore is going to lack on the defensive end, especially when you got Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters. They are 3-4 deep at the corner position, and then how about... Patrick Queen, the rookie linebacker out of LSU. This Ravens team is going to be a force yet again. Calais Campbell on the D-line. I have them winning this division, but they're going to be closely traced by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I think are real contenders to perhaps even overtake the Ravens this year. I'm still going to give the slight advantage to the Ravens, but a lot of people forget that this Steelers team almost made it into the playoffs with quarterbacks such as Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph under center. Of course, James Conner missed plenty of time with injuries, and now they get Big Ben back, who's fully healthy after undergoing Tommy John surgery. And I am really excited to see what he can do with this offense. I know Randy Fickner has taken heat from the Steelers faithful because they don't like his play calling. Well, I think this is the year that will determine his fate. The defense we know is going to be a top five unit in the league. TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Stephon Tuitt, Hayward, Joe Hayden, Terrell Edmonds. And of course, Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, the names go on and on. I do think this is going to be one of the best battles in an NFL division this year between Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Mike Tomlin, phenomenal head coach, great leader. I do expect this Steelers team to get 11 wins, finish with an 11-5 record right behind the Ravens, and they will be in the playoffs as Big Ben makes his return. I'm going to say this right now. I do think Big Ben will be a strong candidate 
to win Comeback Player of the Year. Do not sleep on Big Ben, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, and Deontay Johnson. Now, number three, I got the Cleveland Browns with a 9-7 record. Watch for the Browns. I know that they could potentially be a third playoff representative from this division, even with two games above 500. It is Kevin Stefanski's first year as a head coach. They hired him in the offseason coming from Minnesota. I believe his offensive scheme is going to be a big influence on Baker Mayfield, who he too is yet another young quarterback, such as Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. This is another leap year for him. Can he make a positive step or will he continue his downfall because we know last year he struggled heavily he has all the weapons Odell Beckham Jr. Jarvis Landry now he has Austin Hooper and David Njoku so there is absolutely zero reason as to why this Browns offense shouldn't be an elite unit of course Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt I mean, should I go on, ladies and gentlemen? This Browns team has all the talent in the world on the defensive side. Miles Garrett, he got paid this offseason. Mac Wilson, we know, is going to miss some time with that knee injury, but they drafted Jacob Phillips out of LSU, another player that I had on the podcast. Now, it is going to be interesting to see what they do at the safety position. We know at corner they got Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, who was banged up a little bit, but they did lose promising rookie safety Grant Delpit to a season-ending injury. So Earl Thomas is out there. Tony Jefferson is out there. They had some talks with Logan Ryan, but of course Ryan ended up with the Giants. Keep an eye on that situation. I do think this Browns team will finally have a winning record, but it will be for the third slot considering the Ravens and the Steelers' talent. Now coming in last, I have the Cincinnati Bengals with a 6-10 record. Joe Burrow is there. There's a buzz in the city. Cincinnati's excited. Zach Taylor is coming back for his second season as the head coach as he continues to move forward with this offense. Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, who missed all last season. He's going to be available come week one. Auden Tate, and they drafted T. Higgins to give Joe Burrow yet another weapon. I think Cincinnati, they're doing all the right things, giving Joe Burrow as many assets as he needs. John Ross, the speedster that can stretch the defense. I'm interested to see what Drew Sample can do the tight end. I know they have high hopes for him. That's why they let Tyler Eifert walk in free agency. But I do think they still need to invest and improve that defense some more, especially following the massive blow, losing Trey Waynes for a significant part of the season due to a pectoral injury. I know they have William Jackson, Jesse Bates back there, and they're still returning Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, but I do think that defense is going to be their downfall this season. But I will say this, Cincinnati, don't sleep on them because I do expect Joe Burrow to put together a pretty strong season considering what he has to work with Give them a couple of years, and they will be in contention in that division as well. But for for the, for 2020, I have them at six and ten. Now to the NFC, we're gonna start with the South Division. Number one, this has been a large. Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Topic of debate. A lot of people say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Bruce Arians, they love that trio. Not so fast. As Lee Corso says on college game day, I still think this Saints team will be the top dog in this division, finishing with a 12-4 record. The Saints' run of division titles will not end at three. It will extend to four. They're too talented, too motivated, and what could be Drew Brees' final season to be denied one more crack at a second Super Bowl with him and Sean Payton. They suffered another devastating playoff loss at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings in 2019. I do think this is a team that is on the prowl to get back to the big dance. Their offense is going to be more dynamic with Emmanuel Sanders and a healthy Alvin Kamara. Now we know what's going on with Kamara. It's it's been a circus the last couple of days. There's a report out there that the Saints are open to trading him amid contract talks. I still think that when the dust settles before week one, Kamara will have a new deal. Everything will be resolved. So I don't think that's much of an issue right now. They're going to be fine. Michael Thomas, of course, is still there, one of the top receivers in the game. And then on defense, it remains sturdy with Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, a strong secondary led by Marshawn Lattimore. Hopefully he can stay healthy. I like the Saints to finish number one. Number two, that's where I have the new look Tampa Bay Buccaneers pegged out with an 11-5 record. It will be a close division chase. I just have the Saints finishing above because I buy more into Sean Payton and his unit that he has this year. But for the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, he gets his sweet revenge in leading the Buccaneers to a five-game improvement from 2019, but it will fall short of first. They will be second. And I'm really curious because I know when he signed with Tampa Bay, it was a humongous deal. It was on headlines every day. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm not so sure Tom Brady has that same edge, has that same arm strength, has that same precision that he once had. I mean, this guy is almost in his mid-40s. Something tells me that he may not be the king everybody expects him to be coming to Tampa Bay. We know his offense is full of elite playmakers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin Ronald Jones, Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard, those two tight end sets can be lethal for Tampa Bay. But let's pump the brakes a little bit, shall we? I mean, Tom Brady, he may be on the decline. Let's not get so hyped up with him. And he's not mobile. In the NFC South, they have some pretty vicious edge-rushing duos that are going to get after him all season long. Can he stay healthy? That's number one. Now, Gronkowski... 
He was out of football last year. What condition is he going to be in? No preseason. So he's going straight into the regular season. He may have some rust to shake off. So let's cool it a little bit on this Tampa Bay hype train. Now defensively, I think sky's the limit for Todd Bowles in that unit. And Dominican Sue, they brought him back. Levante David is there. Devin White. That linebacking core is phenomenal for Tampa. They have a very young secondary. Sean Bunting, a couple of those guys are developing. So I do think that this Tampa team can win games just based off on that defense. But Bruce Arians, phenomenal head coach. He's led multiple teams to the playoffs. And I do think he will get them back, but just not first. It'll have to be from that second slot, 11-5. That's where I have Tampa. Now number three, I have Atlanta. Atlanta to me is interesting because... I saw the way this team rallied around Dan Quinn to keep him there because his job was in turmoil. It was in jeopardy last year. And I do like what they did. Signing Todd Gurley, I think he's got plenty of juice in his legs. I expect big things from Todd Gurley, especially with my boy Keith Smith leading the way as his starting fullback. They acquired Hayden Hurst from the Baltimore Ravens. Something tells me that he's going to have a breakout campaign in Atlanta's high-powered offense. Of course, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley on defense. They have Grady Jarrett. They made the big splash signing by going with Dante Fowler Jr., signing him bringing him there to Atlanta, who's going to give him much-needed edge-rushing help. Tack McKinley, we'll see, is in a contract year. He knows that he needs to produce in order to secure some money next offseason, so that may be a good motivation for him. Keanu Neal is fully healthy. That's a big lift for Atlanta. I just don't see enough there in Atlanta at the moment for them to overtake New Orleans or Tampa Bay, which is why I have them at 9-7. and seven. So still in that playoff bubble contention, but just not enough to get them over. Now number four in the NFC South, have the Carolina Panthers. First-year head coach Matt Rule is taking over after spending time at Baylor, and they got Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. There's a whole new realm, a whole new youth movement there. They brought Joe Brady from LSU as the offensive coordinator. He became the youngest offensive coordinator in the NFL. And we all know the type of humming offense he ran for those LSU Tigers. So there's plenty of potential. They have a lot of versatile weapons in Carolina. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. They went out and signed Robbie Anderson. Of course, Christian McCaffrey, who's coming off an outstanding season. He got the bank. He got some money, and he's taking care of long-term. They lost Newton, of course. They cut him. They cut Greg Olson, Ryan Khalil, Luke Keekley retired, Thomas Davis, Julius Peppers, James Bradbury. I mean, the last several years, a lot of these key cogs that were in Carolina, they're no longer there. It's a new movement, as I said. And defensively, they went all in in the draft, just trying to build that defense as big as they can. They want to play stout, physical defensive football under Matt Rule. I do think they'll be able to accomplish that. I like Dante Jackson. His potential there in Carolina is 
really, really strong. He may have gotten burned a couple of times, but I do think he has high upside at the linebacker position. Look for Shaq Thompson to come in and be that vocal leader for a young Carolina Panthers unit. Of course, Trey Boston is back in the mix, and he had a great year, so it was nice to see him return to Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, I don't know what to expect from him. We know he went undefeated with the New Orleans Saints when he took over for the injured Drew Brees, but I still want to see more from him. Can he stretch the field a little further, or will he be prohibited to mid-level routes or checkdowns to Christian McCaffrey? If Teddy Bridgewater can really air it out with accuracy and hit his weapons like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who has some wheels down the field, and at Christian McCaffrey, and I'm sure Joe Brady is going to utilize him in every single way, fashion, possible putting him out at slot receiver they could do some stuff I mean I do think Carolina can surprise a lot of people they can win some close games but for me since they're just in year one in the Matt Rule era I have them finishing fourth in a very ultra competitive NFC South now we're going to go into the NFC East here we go I have the Dallas Cowboys winning it this year they have Mike McCarthy they have stability they have accountability now we know Jason Garrett is no longer there it was a do change that was needed they finally went out and grabbed the Super Bowl caliber head coach McCarthy was out of practice last year but he said that he used that time to study film to really grow his knowledge of how the game is changing and man when you just look at that roster on on that Dallas Cowboy team I mean how can you not see them as a Super Bowl caliber team. Now, it's one thing to look good on paper, and it's another thing to perform. And yes, the Dallas Cowboys have had plenty of issues with that. They underperformed immensely last season when they had more or less the same caliber of talent. But I just think with that coaching change, it's going to make the world a difference. Dak Prescott didn't get his long-term extension before July 15's deadline, so he's going to play out on that franchise tag. And I think he's going to be even hungrier to show Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones that he can be the guy long term. But he will have plenty of help at his disposal. That receiving unit of Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. I don't think there's a trio in the NFL that is going to be as dominant and as successful as those three this season. That is a scary sight. Blake Jarwin finally is going to be able to fly on his own without Jason Witten there. We know Witten's now in Vegas. And then that two running back backfield of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I mean, these guys can come out and put up 50 points a week and they could look Almost the caliber of Kansas City's offense, but of course, looking good on a depth chart and actually executing on the field on game days, they're two different things, and that's been the question with Dallas, but I do think they're going to answer the bell this year under Mike McCarthy. I think they win this NFC East division with an 11-5 and record. Now number two, Philly comes in with a 10-6 and record. The Eagles overcame injuries last season. Of course, they beat the Cowboys. They made it to the playoffs. I mean, that was really spectacular what they were able to accomplish under their circumstances. Doug Peterson is there. I love him as a head coach. Carson Wentz, though, and this is always regurgitated every single season, is can he stay healthy? We know he was dealing with a minor soft tissue injury. He's day-to-day. Doug Peterson told reporters on Monday that he's resting him the entire week. 
And for such a young quarterback to be getting so many veteran rest days, that just sounds some sirens to me. So his health's going to be pivotal. Of course, Philadelphia has already taken several hits on that offensive line. Brandon Brooks, of course, with that Achilles tear before training camp even started. And then Andre Dillard, the promising left tackle, He's out for the year with torn biceps. So now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Are they going to move Jason Peters out to left tackle? But if they do, he wants more money than that one-year $6 million deal he got. So there's a lot of Tetris trying to move pieces along that offensive line. At the running back position, Miles Sanders. He's coming off a really strong rookie campaign. Very underrated. I'm still interested to see if Philadelphia is going to add another hammer running back to compliment him up to this point they haven't and all indications are that he's gonna be their workhorse back I'll believe it when I see it but as of now obviously unless they go out and sign Leonard Fournette which I have a hunch that they may because he just fits that physical grinding runner that they had in Jordan Howard and LeGarrette Blunt during that Super Bowl run we'll see what happens there but at receiver they really try to address it going with Jalen Rieger in the first round now of course Rieger is out for an extended period of time, probably about two, three, four weeks after tearing a labrum in his shoulder the other day in practice. Alshon Jeffrey, another injury-prone wide receiver. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. So, I mean, they have pieces in place to be good. And on defense, they're returning a lot of the same players. Of course, they made the big trade for Darius Slay, which I think is going to pay off for Philadelphia. They've been lacking that true lockdown number one corner. I think they got it in Darius Slay, the perennial all-pro. Now at safety, is going to look a little bit different. Of course, they declined the option of Malcolm Jenkins, and so they re-signed Jalen Mills, and they moved him to safety. So they're going to have him back there with Rodney McLeod, which is going to be a little bit of an interesting situation because both those guys are physical box safety that can tackle wells but their coverage ability will be tested i think the eagles are 10 and 6 giants i have them coming in at third with an 8 and 8 record they have some promise with daniel jones but they are faced with a brutal schedule beyond facing the eagles and the cowboys twice each joe judge is now the new head coach and he's had some interesting methods in training camp and i'm gonna say it is a little refreshing and i know a lot of giants fans are actually excited because they finally see a head coach that's coming in with some discipline for their team and on offense i'm gonna say darius slayton Keep an eye on that guy. He's coming off a superb rookie season where he was able to make plays out in space. Of course, Showtime Tate, Golden Tate there, along with Sterling Shepard, who he missed most of the season due to concussion. So if he can stay healthy, Saquon Barkley's there, Daniel Jones now, Jason Garrett's the OC working with him. Who knows what we'll see from him. They have a young defense. I just don't think the Giants are at the level of the Cowboys and Eagles. I think they go 8-8, eight and eight, which is an improvement from the last several years. But give Joe Judge a little bit longer of a acclimation period, and this team may be in a much better spot in a couple of years. Now, coming in last, the Washington football team with a 5-11 and 11 record. Ron Rivera, man, it has been just a whirlwind all kinds of things happening at that franchise with the name, the rebranding, going to Washington football team, cutting Darius Geis following those allegations. Daniel Snyder's under fire. There's an investigation there. Ron Rivera announcing that he's battling cancer. So, I mean, it is just a lot going on. 
and I'm praying for Ron Rivetta. I really hope that he's able to beat this out and continue coaching. He's a phenomenal head coach, and I really respect him. And they do have talent there in Washington. I know they get a lot of flack. I know they're the joke of the NFL at times. But look at Chase Young and that defensive front that they built there in the nation's capital. I mean, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat. Then you add all of that with the Predator that is going to be a lethal and a very scary front for many opposing offenses in 2020 and beyond. Now, the main question is, what will Dwayne Haskins look like in 2020? Will he be able to make that step forward in his progression, or will he continue to struggle? And if that's the case, Alex Smith is waiting in the wings. Kyle Allen is waiting in the wings, who they acquired from Carolina. He knows the system. Running back, AP, the guy who never... Ages is going to be the lead back now, and maybe Bryce Love gets some opportunities. The former Heisman finalist coming from Stanford now that he's fully healthy. Long story short, I still think they're a little ways away. They're going to finish last in that division, but they do have some promise. Now on to the NFC West. We're moving along. I appreciate you tuning in to the Pro Football Chase Podcast if you're there. Now, number one, I still have the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is one of the most daunting divisions in the NFL, Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams. Where'd he even go? I'm going to give it to the Niners with a 13-3 record. I understand teams expect a Super Bowl lapse from them this year. I don't envision that for Kyle Shanahan. I still think, despite trading DeForest Buckner, I like the way they're able to recover Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk in the first round. Those are two guys that I think are day one starters that can step in and make an impact. Of course, Ayuk's been battling a minor injury. Kinlaw is going to fit in just fine. He's already drawing raid reviews. You still have Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and D Ford to go along with that linebacking unit of Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, Richard Sermon there at corner, Jimmy Ward, who I'm expecting big things from on offense. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's coming off a pretty strong season. I think there's room for growth with him, which I think we'll see. George Kittle was signed to that big-time extension, so he's back in the mix. Now, they have been dealing with some injuries at wide receiver. Debo Samuel is going to miss a couple of weeks of the regular season with an injury, which is why they've been signing all kinds of free agent receivers, River Kraft, Tavon Austin. So they may hurt there at the wide receiver position, of course, losing Jalen Hurd yet again. So Brandon Ayuk is going to be called upon early and often, but I think they're still going to be able to dominate on the ground, especially acquiring Trent Williams. It's nice when you can have an all-pro offensive tackle come and replace another as Joe Staley retired. They're running backs. They're getting Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon is finally fully healthy. So I think their their DNA is still going to be running the rock, and they're going to be able to do that successfully, which is why I have them winning this NFC West and getting 13 wins. So do not underestimate this San Francisco team. Now number two, I have the Seattle Seahawks with 11-5 record. They were on the brink of beating out the 49ers for the division title and better playoff position in 2019. It didn't happen. They're inches away from that 
crazy sequence of a game. I expect Russell Wilson to further raise his game with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and now Greg Olson, who they signed in free agency. He's at tight end. DK Metcalf's a monster. Looking at Chris Carson, they signed Carlos Hyde, who's coming off a 1,000-yard season with the Houston Texans. They put a little bit more emphasis on that offensive line. And defensively, they acquired, of course, Jamal Adams, who's going to go in there, and they're going to try to reincarcerate the Legion of Boom yet again. They have Shaquille Griffin out there, Trey Flowers. So they have plenty of talent. I think they can develop, of course, Quandre Diggs, who they acquired last season before the trade deadline from Detroit. And they drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round, a pair with Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. So I do think that Ken Norton's going to have a pretty stout unit. And of course, Russell Wilson, as long as he's healthy, and Pete Carroll, for the strong leader he is, I fully expect the Seahawks squad to be in the playoffs. I just cannot see them beating out the Niners this year. Number three, we have another Strong caliber team. Arizona, I have them with a 10-6 and six record. Can you believe that? Three teams with 10 or more wins. And I really do think there's a strong possibility of seeing that happen. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, they're the headliners of their year two offensive-related buzz with the help from DeAndre Hopkins, who they acquired in the offseason. They still have Christian Kirk, of course, Kenyon Drake in the backfield. Defensively, they drafted Isaiah Simmons with their first pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. They just locked up Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones. They signed Jordan Phillips in free agency to be that run stuffer that they've been lacking for many years. They still got Jordan Hicks at linebacker. This Arizona Cardinals football team they are going to be a problem for a lot of teams. And who knows, they could end up surprising us all and finishing in the top two. You just never know, which is why this whole episode, I mean, we'll see at the end of the 2020 season how accurate or how completely awful my predictions were. But I am very excited to see how Kyler Murray is going to continue to engineer this high-powered offense that Cliff Kingsbury is calling. And it's a lot of excitement there in the desert, especially now with DeAndre Hopkins. We know the force he is in the red zone. I have them with a 10-6 and six record. And number four, I have the LA Rams with an 8-8 eight and eight record. I understand the Rams are always dangerous because of Sean McVay's coaching and their Super Bowl experience. But now he must operate his offense without Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks, who they traded away to the Texans. They still have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett. And of course, I'm very high on Cam Akers, the rookie running back, who's going to be a part of a three-headed monster, Daryl Henderson Jr. and Malcolm Brown. And defensively, Jalen Ramsey's still there. Aaron Donald, the best player in football. Michael Brockers, they brought him back. I just worry a little bit about their linebacking unit and their safety position. John Johnson III is really good, but he hasn't always been fully healthy and consistent. They're very young. Micah Kaiser, by the way, who was also on my podcast earlier this summer, he was in a a position to start, and and we'll see what happens. They're going to be making those cuts, and we'll see what position he'll be anchoring for the Rams. I know they have Samson Ebukam. They have some pieces. They just lost a potential starting linebacker for the season with the torn meniscus, and that was Travin Howard. They're going to be without him. I think offensively they'll be okay. 
I just look at the Rams and I don't get too excited about them. I I see eight and eight, maybe nine and seven, and they're gonna have their hands full in a big early test against the Dallas Cowboys in Week One at their new stadium, SoFi Stadium. Now we'll move into the final division, NFC North. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna say Skull because I have the Vikings finishing atop this division. By a couple of games with a 12-4 and record, I think this team will be one of the best teams in the NFL because of what they were able to do this offseason. The acquisition of Yannick Ngakwe from Jacksonville. Now they're going to pair him with Daniel Hunter. I mean, talk about replacing Everson Griffin with Ngakwe, a 25-year-old edge rusher who a lot of people forget that he is darn good. I mean, he had eight sacks last year, but Jacksonville's unit as a whole just wasn't all that great. Now he gets to go play in Mike Zimmer's defensive scheme. It's a more aggressive scheme. Now they're going to have him on the outside. Linebacker, they're set with Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr at safety. Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Now their corners are very young, so I think that's going to be the question for Minnesota is how they can hold up on the outside. I know the Vikings are very optimistic about Mike Hughes and his development. They drafted Jeff Gladney, 31st overall, the corner out of TCU. And of course, let's not forget their 22nd overall pick, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU, who's now going to be paired with Adam Thielen because they did trade Stephon Diggs to Buffalo in that blockbuster deal. Kirk Cousins is coming back on a new deal. Dalvin Cook, who there was a potential possibility of him holding out. He's going to be there. Alexander Madison, they were able to retain Riley Reef on a new contract after they had said, hey, if you don't take a pay cut, we're going to have to cut you. He's back in the mix. Minnesota, they are just so deep on their roster. I think they're going to win this division, and they may be destined for a big-time playoff run. Number two, I have the Green Bay Packers with a 10-6 and record, and they're facing a tougher schedule this season by far. Matt Floor's offensive identity with Aaron Rodgers won't catch up on anyone, and the Packers really didn't improve as much as they needed to help Rodgers. They didn't draft a single receiver, and it was driving Packers fans insane. Instead, they drafted Jordan Love with the first-round pick. They traded up. And they drafted A.J. Dillon, another running back, when they're saying, we already have Aaron Jones here. We already have Jamal Williams, Dexter Williams, Tyler Irving. So there was a lot of furious Packers fans. On defense, I like what I see. I think Mike Pettin has done a nice job. Preston and Zadarius Smith, those guys are going to continue to wreak havoc on opposing offenses They signed Kenny Clark to that big deal. They did lose Blake Martinez, and they got a couple of young bucks that were working, especially though Kamal Martin, the fifth-round pick, who was in play to start week one. He's out for an extended period of time after undergoing knee surgery. I think they're secondary. They're fine there. They got a lot of talent. Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Jair Alexander. They're going to be just fine when it comes to going against the pass. But this is a defense that got shredded on the ground by the Niners. And I don't know if they did enough to reinforce that, especially if they're a little bit weaker at the linebacker position. Rayshon Gary's another player that they're looking for big things this year. I just don't see enough for this Green Bay team to even come close to Minnesota and the NFC North, although I still think they'll finish second. 
third, I have the Detroit Lions. I know they're under pressure to come through for Coach Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, the GM, given all their aggressive scheming and spending. They should have some better results in the running game. They drafted DeAndre Swift to pair with on Johnson. And Johnson, the guy's a great running back. He just cannot stay healthy. So let's hope he can this season. Their pass defense is going to be upgraded with rookie Jeffrey Okuda. And Matthew Stafford, I, I'm hoping for the best. I want to see this guy have some success. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones on the outside, TJ Hawkinson. So they've they've surrounded him with some playmakers. And on the defensive side, Trey Flowers is going to try to lead this unit, Gerard Davis. But just still, again, I don't view them as threats to the Vikings or the Packers. And finishing last in the division, I have the Chicago Bears coming in with a 7-9 record. Right now, the Bears... They're messy right from the top with their uninspiring quarterback competition between Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, which Matt Nagy said initially he was not going to announce a starter before week one, but then he, he reversed track and said he will announce a starter. So we'll know next week around Tuesday or Wednesday who will be starting, right? And the jury's still out on Matt Nagy maximizing the playmaking from the rest of the offense. Defensively, they're going to be a top unit. They got Khalil Mack. They signed Robert Quinn, who those two guys coming off the edge, that's going to be a scary sight. They have Akeem Hicks, who's going to anchor that interior of their defensive line. Danny Trevathan, Kyle Fuller out at corner, Eddie Jackson. So the issue is not on defense. And I think this defense is actually going to keep them in a lot of games this year. I think they're going to be in a lot of close, low-scoring affairs but their offense, that quarterback situation is going to set them back. Poor Allen Robinson. I just want the guy to have a quarterback that can throw it to him. Not sure that Foles or Trubisky are solid options. Time will tell in the end. I just don't view this Bears team as a unit that can make noise in the NFC South. So there you have it, my division preview predictions as to who I think is going to win. And it's going to be an exciting 2020 season. It has been a crazy offseason with this pandemic. And so far, so good. The NFL has protocols in place. Things are looking up. Opening night, as I said at the very beginning of the podcast, is a week from tomorrow. Chiefs, Texans, I cannot wait Thank you once again for tuning in for episode one, the inaugural episode of the 2020 season. It's Isaac Signs. I'm the host. Be sure to check out my page on Instagram at ProFootballChase for all the latest news, rumors, and signings around the NFL. I'll be back next Wednesday for episode two where I will preview every single matchup on the slate. Until then, take care and God bless. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.